Hey, good evening. I'm glad that you're joining us for our Bible study here at St. Matthew's tonight. I'm doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to share with you. I mean, I'm going to share with you a brief overview of our um, eight life, eight life enriching practices of United Methodists that we're covering tonight. And this is talking about community. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a real quick intro about why community matters. But then I'm going to share with you. Um, many of you may have seen this, so you may have already. You, know, you may be seeing something that you've already seen. But I'm going to share with you some words that I shared this morning uh, to our church about unity in light of election and in light of uh, in light of where we find ourselves today. So I'm going to share these words with you uh, at the end of a, a brief overview about Christian community and why this matters. So I hope you can um, so stay with us as we're streaming this video, um, and you'll hear some words I had to say today about Jeremiah. So really, Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter 29, verse uh, verse seven. I, I talked about that and. So, so watch through this, and I hope that these words that I shared this morning will be an encouragement uh, to you in this time. So um, today's fifth practice we're talking about is Christian community. Um, and community is a very important thing. It's actually interesting in a lot of the election to talk about unity and community, um, that we need community. And for Wesley, community was a big deal. Uh, one of my favorite quotes by John Wesley was, he says, there's no such thing as a the Bible teaches nothing of solitary Christianity. He said you can no more be a solitary Christian than you can be a holy adulterer. For Wesley, um, community was a huge deal. And this is why. For Wesley, community meant that we would always have someone walking beside us. Keeping, doing two things. One, keeping us accountable. And two, loving us. And so I want to talk tonight briefly about accountability. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so does one sharpen another. If you've never been in a group that keeps you accountable, let me tell you what, you, what you've missed. Um, I've been in a couple of these groups, and here's what's beautiful about accountability in this setting is I was afraid in these moments of accountability that I was going to have somebody beating up on me or telling me that I was wrong or telling me that I'd made mistakes and really making me feel bad about it. But that wasn't what I found in community. What I found in the community was I found brothers and sisters who, when I admitted my faults to them, they encouraged me and they loved me and they helped me to walk more faithfully. Because think about this. How often in our life do we have someone who walks beside us and loves us even when we make mistakes? For most of us, I know for me, for most of my life, my great fear was being rejected when I admitted my faults being rejected when I admitted my mistakes. And what the beauty of accountability and community is it shows us and it teaches us when we have some people who truly love us around us, what we find in that is that we find that we are loved even in our mistakes. Because, y'all, it's a humbling thing. It is a hum I've been there before. I've been there where I've had to confess my mistakes and my sins to a group of brothers and say, I blew it, guys. I, I messed up in this area of my life. I failed here. And have them say to me, Andy, we still love you. And in fact, we love you so much. We're going to help you in this next week. How can we help you walk more faithfully in this moment? It is a, a soul-stripping but beautiful thing to have to lay yourself bare and admit your faults. But instead of, instead of finding rejection, finding love, acceptance, and encouragement. For Wesley, that was, in many ways, the key to Christian growth 
and the key to Christian discipleship. He didn't think you could be sanctified. He didn't think you could really grow in Christ apart from having that community around you to encourage you and help you. And I, I'll be honest with you, friends, I don't, I don't think, I think he's right. I don't think we can truly grow or truly be faithful in Christ apart from that community around us. I think we desperately need that. And I think it's desperately important to us. And so for Wesley, that was the key. He said, you can no more be a solitary Christian than you can be a holy adulterer. He believed that we needed um, that. And so within our Methodist tradition, there's a couple ways that this plays itself out. And it really is seen in the notion of small groups. And so for most of us, the most basic small group that we can be a part of is our Sunday school class. And, and if your only experience in Christian community is Sunday morning worship, then you're never going to really truly experience the power of community. Community is best experienced in that small group, in that small setting, whether it be a Sunday school class, whether it be a small group of people praying with you, whether it be another type of small group. I, I'm fortunate in my life right now that I've been invited to be part of a Friday morning small group that meets together for breakfast every every Friday. And we just study the Bible together. We're studying Acts right now. And I was texting one of my one of the guys in the group yesterday, and I was just saying what a blessing it is that I'm in the group, uh, how much that group has been a blessing to me. And he jokingly said, uh, I think he was joking, he said, we're still on probation. We'll, we'll check you out a little bit later. But what a joy it is to have people beside me, to read the Bible with, to pray, to learn, to listen, and to grow into support. And when one of us is going through something, we know the other guys in this group are praying for us. My faith is better for that. And if our only Christian experience is that of Sunday morning worship, we'll never truly grow in the way that God desires for us to grow. Our faith truly grows and our faith truly develops whenever it is that we have people walking beside us, praying with us and praying for us. So there's a couple of avenues that we can explore in the church. And the first, at least in our context here at St. Matthew's, the first avenue is our Sunday school program. And we have within that new, some new community groups that we've started as well. So we have Sunday school and community groups. And our Sunday schools have continued to meet during COVID. So if, if you would like to, if you are watching this video, this service, Bible study, and you're not part of a small group or a Sunday school class, I want you to seriously reach out to me. I would love even now to help you find a group to be part of. I would love even now to help you find a group of people to walk beside you and, and love on you and encourage you and teach you. So Sunday school, obviously, is a great place to start there. We have other groups, though, that meet. We have our UMW for, for women. We have a group called the Men of Faith that meet on, uh, on the first Tuesday of each month. These groups are smaller and more intentional. They spend more time praying together and serving together and reading the scriptures together. So we have Sunday school, which is always awesome for all ages. We have these smaller groups. And then we have these new community groups that Aaron and Brian help, help head up and start that meet at, in homes and in locations throughout our community for prayer, for study, for these type things. So if you'd like to be part of a community group, please reach out to Aaron or Brian or myself. We'd love to help you get plugged into that. But we need that. We need a group around us praying for us and growing us. I, I've been in ministry for many years now. And I can tell you that the sweetest times in my ministry and the parts of ministry that have shaped me the most and have helped me grow the most have been my small group experience. 
business. Ripley, Coy, Heddle, and now here. And that's essential to our Methodist ethos. If you look for Wesley, these small groups, these covenant groups, these, he called them class meetings and bands. These smaller groups where you would get in each other's business were the only way that one could really truly grow because it's the only way you're going to have people checking up on you, but not just as the only way you're going to have people praying for you when you do fall or when you do mess up. So you need a group beside you. And that, that concept of groups and community is an essential part of the Methodist identity, both from a Sunday school perspective from, uh, and then from all through our church structure. Because if you've, if you've been part of the, uh, the Methodist system for any time, you've heard the concept of conferences. Our annual conference, which is our, it's our state organization. It's also our yearly meeting, our annual conference. Our general conference, which meets every four years to determine the policies of the Methodist church. Our jurisdictional conference, which, which, which elects bishops. Our charge conference, which we'll be having here in a few weeks online. Our yearly business meeting. These conferences are about community. We come together to make shared disciples, decisions together. In the Methodist Church, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of power. I, I jokingly say there's very good things in the church that I'm in charge of. And that's not really a joke. The people and the community make decisions for finances, for staffing, for organization. It's about the community, about the people. That's even interwoven into our identity within our church government and our church structure. It's about the community. It's about the people. So we, uh, we need that. We can't grow apart from that. We need community. We need community. I tell people, we see the importance of community. One of the very first things that Jesus does is that he gives the disciples a prayer to pray. And he says, our Father. It's a prayer that we pray together prayer that we are together and so I would invite you to uh, to find your place of community here at St. Matthews I want to thank you for watching this video and I would encourage you to continue watching uh, to see the words that I shared with our church as we had our time of prayer today at 12 noon. Thanks for watching this love you guys, praying for you join us to worship Sunday, you can learn more at stm-umc.org slash reopen thanks for watching this uh, short Bible study and please continue watching to see the words that I spoke about unity and about prayer from Jeremiah uh, 29 7. Love you guys. Have a great night. Hey, it's Andy. Thanks for watching these words right now. What I'm going to share with you right now will be the words that I'm going to share with the folks who come to pray at noon today uh, within our time of prayer for our nation, with our time of, time of prayer for unity. So we're not going to live stream that service because that service will be mainly prayer. So we would encourage you to pray with us at noon, no matter where you find yourself today. But I wanted to share with you briefly uh, the words I'm going to share with the people before our call to prayer. And I'm going to read to you real quick right now from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray for the Lord on its behalf. For its welfare, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The words here were words that Jeremiah was writing to the 
people of Israel. They were in the midst of the Babylonians capturing Jerusalem. And they were preparing to be sent into exile. And they would stay in exile in Babylon for 40 years. So Jeremiah is writing these words to the people as they're getting ready to be sent away. Sent away from their homeland, sent away from the temple, sent away from everything that defines them. Sent away for 40 years. And it would be very easy as they're being sent away to think, well, we've lost everything. And many of them did. Many of the leaders, when you read the Psalm 137, for instance, or even Ezekiel, you'll see that many of them felt like they had lost everything and that they had nothing there in this new land to live for. But Jeremiah, but the Lord to Jeremiah says, no, when you go into this time of exile, when you go away from the promised land and into this exile, seek the good of the city. Seek the good even of Babylon. For in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. It was important for the people of God as they moved into this time of exile to seek the good of their community. Those are very important words for us as Christians in light of this election season that we've been through. I spoke last Sunday in worship about All Saints Day. We read from Revelation in this beautiful scene of worship in Revelation chapter 7. We talked of Hebrews 11 where the Lord tells us that those saints of old sought a country that was not made with human hands, but eternal in the heavens. And their, their true country and their true home was not of this world, but it was of, of a greater God and God's kingdom. And that's how we are as Christians. We live in exile here. We do. This world's not our home. This world's not our home. We're, we're, we're moving to a different home one day. But I think it's important for us to hear the words of Jeremiah in this moment. Work for the good of the city. For the Jewish people were going into exile. They were going to a land that was not theirs. They were moving from the promised land into a land that was not theirs. And Jeremiah commanded them, work for the good. Work for the welfare. Work for the goodness of that city. For its welfare is your own welfare. And friend, that's, friends, that's our command in this season following this election. It's been a contentious time. We have brought into this a lot of emotion, a lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And many of us right now are feeling those same emotions. We're feeling conflicted. We're feeling angry. We're feeling disappointed. We're feeling hurt. We're feeling all of these things. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge that. But we're commanded by God to work for the welfare of our city. One of the great prayers of Jesus that he gives to his disciples is John 17. This is often called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And in this prayer, one of the things that our Lord prays for, for his church and for his people, is that of unity. That he prays that, he prays that we will be one as he and the Father are one. One of my other favorite passages of scripture is from the book of Psalms. Psalm 133. 
where the psalmist writes these words. He says this. How very good and pleasant it is when the kindred live together in unity. It's like the precious oil of the, on the head, running down upon the beard, upon the beard of Aaron, running down upon the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord ordains his blessing, life forevermore. Oh, how good and oh, how pleasant it is for the brothers and sisters to live together in unity. In light of what our nation's been through in this election season, in light of where our nation finds itself today, in light of where we may find ourselves to, to, to today, we need to remember the call of the psalmist here. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is when the people live together in unity. We need to remember the call of Jesus in John 17, that we may be one. And we need to remember the call of Jeremiah to work for the good of our city. Our world today, now more than ever, needs us as Christians living out the good news of Jesus. But that means we've got to do it. Mama used to call this putting feet to her faith. It means we've got to serve. We've got to serve. We've got to do this. It means we've got to love. It means we've got to forgive. It means we've got to remember that our Lord's in control of all of this. I've shared with you before, I've got a problem. I believe this stuff. I believe that God's in control. I believe we're working for his kingdom. But I believe that we can trust in his plan. And trust in his wisdom. And trust in him. And that our eternal security and our eternal hope is not found in the things of this world. No matter if we rejoice or we cry today. Our, my hope is not found in anything in this world. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All the ground is sinking sand. All the ground is sinking sand. That's where we stand today. And that's where our unity comes from today. Not from the stuff of this world. But for our shared love of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And his shared command for us today to work for the good of our city. And work for the good of our nation. And work for the good of our state. The world needs us now to do this. Together in Christ we can. So today, whether your hearts rejoice, whether your hearts are broken, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all the ground is sinking sand. Let's keep our hearts focused on Jesus. Keep our actions focused on this command here to work for the good of our city. And let's be intentional, y'all. That we must love. If we want to see love in the world, we've got to do it. If we want to see unity in the world, we've got to do it. If we want to see peace in the world, we've got to do it. We've got to do the things that we aspire to. We've got to do the things that we hope for. We've got to live into it. We've got to. And in Christ, that's our call. Because as the Bible says, when he's lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. And when Christ is lifted up, when the cross of Christ is lifted up, all will be drawn to him. And that is our job now more than ever, to lift high the cross, 
to work for the good of our nation, but to lift high the cross and the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ in this moment. Because when Christ is lifted up, he will draw us all to himself. And in our time together, at this time, I'm going to invite the people to pray. To come to the altar and pray for each other, for themselves, for our country, for our world, for our leaders, for our church. That we can be one. Because when Christ is lifted up, he draws all people to himself. I'll, I'll leave you with a story I was told by one of my mentors. He had in his church a very politically connected church. He had two members of his church who were adversaries in the political arena. They'd often butt heads in politics. And, and most folks knew they didn't really care for each other. That, that they were not really too fond of each other because they butted heads politically so often. And this friend of mine tells me that one Sunday in particular, they were taking communion. And he did the invitation for all to come and receive the, the body of blood of Christ. And everyone came. And he said it was beautiful. He said it was stunning and beautiful at the same time when he went down the, aisle, down the altar serving. Who did he find kneeling beside each other? But these two political adversaries who came to the altar together to receive communion. There, by the blood of Christ. And there, by the call of Christ. And there, by the goodness of Christ. He found these two adversaries unified at the altar of Christ. When Christ is lifted up, he will draw us all to himself. So today, may we make much about Jesus. May we lift him up. May we find all drawn to him. When we look to our right and to our left, may we see that the person sitting beside us might be somebody we might even regard as an enemy. But Christ has drawn them there. And through Christ, we're one. And always mean we agree. And always mean we're on the same page. Doesn't mean that we might not have conflict. But when Christ draws us together, we find our unity. So today, no matter where you're watching this, may we find the unity that we desire in Christ Jesus. And may we all come to his table together. May we pray for each other and pray for unity within our own lives, unity within our families, unity within our nation. May Christ be lifted up. May the church of God move forward together, glorifying Christ, pointing all to his grace and salvation. Love you guys today, and I'm praying for you. Let's pray for our nation, and let's pray for each other. Let's pray for, pray for God's grace in all things. Please, today, join us in prayer at 12 noon. Amen.